0: Introductory of Wild Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Goff. Wild Wales by George Borough. Introductory Wales is a country interesting in many respects and deserving of more attention than it has hitherto met with. Though not very extensive, it is one of the most picturesque countries in the world, a country in which nature displays herself in her wildest, boldest, and occasionally loveliest forms. The inhabitants, who speak an ancient and peculiar language, do not call this region Wales, nor themselves Welsh. They call themselves Cumri or Cymru, and their country, Cymru, or the land of the Cymru. Wales or Walia, however, is the true, proper, and without doubt original name, as it relates not to any particular race, which at present inhabits it, or may have sojourned in it at any long bygone period, but to the country itself. Wales signifies a land of mountains, of vales, of dingles, chasms and springs, it is connected with the Cymric bowl, a protuberance, a springing forth, with the Celtic boule, or beel, a mouth, with the old English well, a fountain, with the original name of Italy, still called by the Germans Welshland, with Balkan and Vulcan, both of which signify a casting out, an eruption, with Welint, or Wayland, the name of the Anglo-Saxon god of the forge, with the Chaldee Val, of forest, and the German Valt, with the English Bluff, and the Sanskrit Palava. startling assertions, no doubt, at least to some, which are, however, quite true, and which at some future time will be universally acknowledged so to be. But it is not for its scenery alone that Wales is deserving of being visited. Scenery soon palls, unless it is associated with remarkable events, and the names of remarkable men. Perhaps there is no country in the whole world which has been the scene of events more stirring and remarkable than those recorded in the history of Wales. What other country has been the scene of a struggle so deadly, so embittered and protracted, as that between the Cymro and the Saxon. A struggle which did not terminate at Carnarvon, when Edward Longshanks foisted his young son upon the Welsh chieftains as Prince of Wales, but was kept up till the Battle of Bosworth Field, when a prince of Cymric blood won the crown of Fair Britain, verifying the olden word which had cheered the hearts of the ancient Britons for at least a thousand years, even in times of the darkest distress and gloom. But after long pain, repose we shall obtain, when sway barbaric has purged us clean, and Britons shall regain their crown and their domain, and the foreign oppressor be no more seen. Of remarkable men, Wales has assuredly produced its full share. First. To speak of men of action, there was Madoc, the son of Owain Gwynedd, who discovered America centuries before Columbus was born. And then there was the irregular and wild Glendower, who turned rebel at the age of sixty, was crowned King of Wales at Machanlleth, and for fourteen years contrived to hold his own against the whole power of England. Then there was Rhysap Thomas. The best soldier of his time whose hands placed the british crown on the brow of henry the seventh and whom bluff henry the eighth delighted to call father priest then there was who why harry morgan who led those tremendous fellows the buccaneers across the isthmus of darien to the sack and burning of panama what a buccaneer in the list aye and why not Morgan was a scourge, it is true, but he was a scourge of God on the cruel Spaniards of the New World, the merciless taskmasters and butchers of the Indian race, on which account God favoured and prospered him, permitting him to attain the noble age of ninety, and to die peacefully and tranquilly at Jamaica, while smoking his pipe in his shady arbour with his smiling plantation of sugar-canes full in view how unlike the fate of harry morgan to that of lolonois as being as daring and enterprising as the welshman but a monster without ruth or discrimination terrible to friend and foe who perished by the hands not of the spaniards but of the indians who tore him limb from limb burning his members yet quivering in the fire which very indians morgan contrived to make his own firm friends and whose difficult language he spoke with the same facility as English, Spanish, and his own South Welsh. For men of genius, Wales during a long period were particularly celebrated. Who has not heard of the Welsh bards? Though it is true that beyond the borders of Wales, only a very few are acquainted with their songs, owing to the language, by no means an easy one, in which they were composed. Honour to them all! everlasting glory to the three greatest, Taliesin, Abguilim, and Gronwioin, the first a professed Christian, but in reality a Druid, whose poems fling great light on the doctrines of the primitive priesthood of Europe, which correspond remarkably with the philosophy of the Hindus, before the time of Brahma, the second the grand poet of nature, the contemporary of Chaucer, but worth half a dozen of the accomplished word-master, the ingenious versifier of Norman and Italian tales. The third, a learned and irreproachable minister of the Church of England, and one of the greatest poets of the last century, who, after several narrow escapes from starvation both in England and Wales, died master of a paltry school in New Brunswick, in North America, sometime about the year 1780. But Wales has something besides its wonderful scenery, its eventful history, and its illustrious men of yore, to interest the visitor. Wales has a population, and a remarkable one. There are countries, beside Wales, abounding with noble scenery, rich in eventful histories, and which are not sparingly dotted with the birthplaces of heroes and poets, in which at the present day there is either no population at all, or one of a character which is anything but attractive. Of a country in the first predicament, the Scottish Highlands afford an example. What a country is the Highland region, what scenery, and what associations? If Wales has its Snowdon and Cadaridris, the Highlands have their hill of the water-dogs, and that of the Swathy swine. If Wales has a history, so have the Highlands. Not indeed so remarkable as that of Wales, but eventful enough. If Wales has had its heroes, its Glendower and Father Price, the Highlands have had their Evan Cameron and Ranald of Moidart. If Wales has had its romantic characters, its Griffith ap-Nicholas and Harry Morgan, the Highlands have had Rob Roy, and that strange fellow, Donald MacLeod, the man of the broadsword, the leader of the Frecadon Thee who at Fontenay-caused, the Lord only knows how many Frenchmen's heads to fly off their shoulders, who lived to the age of one hundred and seven, and at seventy-one performed gallant service on the heights of Abraham, wrapped in whose plaid the dying wolf was carried from the hill of victory. If Wales had been a land of song, have not the highlands also? If Wales can boast of Ap Gwilym and Gronwy, the highlands can boast of ossian and macintyre in many respects the two regions are equals or nearly so in one respect however a matter of the present day and a very important matter too they are anything but equals wales has a population but where is that of the highlands plenty of noble scene plenty of delightful associations historical poetical and romantic but But, where is the population? The population of Wales has not departed across the Atlantic, like that of the Highlands. It remains at home, and a remarkable population it is, very different from the present inhabitants of several beautiful lands of olden fame, who have strangely degenerated from their forefathers. Wales has not only a population, but a highly interesting one, hardy and frugal, yet kind and hospitable. A bit crazed, it is true, on the subject of religion, but still retaining plenty of old Celtic peculiarities, and still speaking Diolch the language of Glendower and the Bards. The present is a book about Wales and Welsh matters. He who does me the honour of perusing it will be conducted to many a spot not only remarkable for picturesqueness, but for having been the scene of some extraordinary event, or the birthplace or residence of a hero or man of genius. He will likewise be not unfrequently introduced to the genuine Welsh, and made acquainted with what they have to say about Cymro and Saxon, buying and selling, fattening hogs and poultry, Methodism and Baptism, and the poor, persecuted Church of England. An account of the language of Wales will be found in the last chapter, it has many features and words in common with the Sanskrit, and many which seem peculiar to itself, or rather to the family of languages generally called the Celtic, to which it belongs. Though not an original tongue, for indeed no original tongue or anything approximating to one at present exists, it is certainly of immense antiquity. Indeed, almost entitled in that respect to dispute the palm with the grand tongue of India, on which in some respects it flings nearly as much elucidation as it itself receives in others. Amongst the words quoted in the chapter alluded to, I wish particularly to direct the reader's attention to gur, a man, and gur's, heat, to which may be added guraychyonen, a spar. Does not the striking similarity between these words warrant the supposition that the ancient Cymru entertained the idea that man and fire were one and the same, even like the ancient Hindus who believed that man sprang from fire and whose word vira, which signifies a strong man, a hero, signifies also fire? There are, of course, faults and inaccuracies in the work but I have reason to believe that they are neither numerous nor important. I may have occasionally given a wrong name to a hill or a brook, or may have overstated or understated, by a furlong, the distance between one hamlet and another, or even committed the blunder of saying that Mr. Jones ap jenkins lived in this or that homestead, whereas in reality Mr. Jenkins ap jones honoured it with his residence. I may be chargeable with such inaccuracies in which case I beg to express due sorrow for them, and at the same time a hope that I have afforded information about matters relating to Wales which more than atones for them. It would be as well if those who exhibit eagerness to expose the faults of a book would occasionally have the candour to say a word or two about its merits. Such a wish, however, is not likely to be gratified, unless indeed they wisely take a hint from the following lines Translated from a cawith of the last of the great poets of Wales. All can perceive a fault where there is one. A dirty scamp will find one where there's none. End of introductory